Lifestar Insights with Arti Halai. Hello, I'm Artie Halai. A very warm welcome to Five Star Insights, where we learn more about successful people from a range of backgrounds and sectors, all making a real difference in society. And we find out more about my guests through their choice of location, literature, music, art, and cuisine. In a moment, I'll introduce my guests. But before that, if you like what you see, or here, as this will be made available as a podcast, then please subscribe to Rich Woman magazine so others can discover the content too. All you have to do now is sit back and enjoy. My guest is Pierce Adam, a serial entrepreneur with 35 years experience in the hospitality and beverage industry. He founded some of London's most famous nightclubs in the 1990s, SW1, Hanover Guard and Cabaret. The Sunday Times described him as the man who redefined how Londoners eat, drink and dance. He went on to create stable concepts that became globally recognised, Mahiki, Whiskey Mist and the Punch Bowl Pub with Guy Ritchie. He owns the Craigielecki Hotel in Speyside in Scotland and he launched Copper Dog Whiskey in 2016. It's now available in 64 countries around the world. His highlights include creating the first ever May Day ball while still being a student at Oxford Polytechnic and how he's always evolving his businesses. So from nightclubs through to bars to drinks and of course his own copper dog whiskey. The biggest challenges he's faced, he says, are trying to raise money to turn dreams into reality and lessons learned include everyone has a dream but you need a collective of individuals to turn it into reality and creativity and entrepreneurship go hand in hand. Piers Adams, thank you so much for joining us today. Let's start with location because you were born in London and it's at the heart of uh, your success as an entrepreneur. Why do you like the city so much? Do you know, Pete said it, when you're bored of London, you're bored of life. And I was brought up in North London, so I'd have Greek friends, I'd have Cypriot friends, Italian friends, Jewish friends, Indian friends. And for me, London's this melange of, of cultures all coming here with hope in their eyes, all with different aspirations. But the backdrop were all these, always these magnificent buildings, Georgian, late Victorian, modern. So I just think it's the most energetic city in the world. And I think it's a combination of the people and the backdrop. And so I could wax on and on and on and on about it. But I tell my boys the eighth generation Londoners, and they should be unbelievably proud of that fact. I think London's just like the geezer of just energy, people coming in. But it's always, always maintains its forefront in music, fashion, creativity. And that's the thing that I veered towards. Piers, your father was a lawyer, your mother an art teacher. And I'm wondering how much of their influence has actually shaped your journey as an entrepreneur? I believe very much so. Um, I think that all parents have a way of nature nurturing the path of their children. Um, and some I look back fondly and other things I wished it had been in a slightly different way. My father was a grammar school kid that was the first generation to be educated after the Second World War Trinity and he got an MA and um, set up a little practice or joined a practice and, and built it to be a medium-sized practice in Enfield and Edmonton. And his thing was to give back to the people, which was a lovely, lovely, lovely thing to do. It wasn't to make dough. 
And my mother, likewise, was an art teacher and she taught in the comprehensive in Wood Green. And then it was full of uh, Windrush generation kids and Irish kids. So what it shaped was an element of hard work from my father, who really worked hard. And my mother was always trying to encourage kids who were slightly disadvantaged to find themselves, find their soul and, and, and to create and paint and draw and do something and, and, and think the wonders. So the influence I got was always try to be creative. Reality starts with a dream. I want to ask you about the remarkable trip you made to Speyside in Scotland with your father for the first time. It's very sweet. I just sort of still well up a, a, a little bit on it. I've been scrambling around um, doing bars and clubs in London. So I was then thinking, my old man, he was in, on his last legs. He'd been evacuated during the Second World War with his three brothers. Artie had never been to Scotland, hotels, I to Craig Yellicky. I went up and it was, it was like something in Little Britain. It was cold, it was damp. There was this chap who was so unwelcoming and it was just one, oh, but I then said, let's go to the bar to my dad. And there was this chap in this bar called the Quake Bar. And it was known as having the largest selection of single malt whiskies in the world. And there were over a thousand. And I thought, there's something in this. I mean, I love the story. I love the romance of the story. And I love the fact overlooking the Quake Bar was the River Spey, the fastest running river in Britain. 70% of scotch is in Speyside. You've got Macallan, the greatest whiskey house. 1.2 billion bottles a year are exported. And it's the oldest and the greatest whiskey hotel in the world. But I phoned Peter, I phoned my wife and I said, this is unbelievable. This is, this is something that can be replicated because I was always looking as an entrepreneur to get something that I could roll out that could be scalable and not a finite business. So every hotel needs a great bar. And whiskey, like wine, is, is really, really an interesting proposition. You really have the best of both worlds at the moment because you've got London, which is the melting point, which is energetic, exciting, a proper city. And then you've got the other end of the spectrum in Speyside in Scotland. So just for those that have never visited Speyside, describe the surroundings. What would that be like? Speyside's unique. It's actually a valley and it's got a microclimate. And so you do have this Jurassic landscape on either side. But actually, it's almost Cotswoldy. It's rolling and it's so beautiful. And five out of the 50 Walpole businesses are in Speyside. So it's not just the whiskey. Um, they also distill Tankery and, and, and Hendrix gin. But you've got Johnson's of Elgin which is the finest cashmere in, in, in the world, which supply Hermes and Chanel. That's 12 miles away. Uh, you've got Walker's shortbread, which is the best shortbread in, in the world. So I do tend to meander like the River Spade. But to answer your question, it's magically beautiful. The botanicals on the thing are incredible. It used to be the original place for R&R, &R, but there's an extraordinary work ethic there. And the business there are, are exceptional. They're world leaders. I I'm going. The minute, the minute I can get on that train, I'm going. I'm right there. I want to move on to our next section, which is music. And what can I say, Pierce? You're quite a mover and a shaker. Um, but what music would make you stand up and want to dance? 
do you know what? You, you're going to start asking, because one of my things on Quake, I'm launching Quake Whiskey. So I'm asking five questions, bit of a desert island This is, what does friendship symbolise to you, Artie? And you might say, whatever. Connection and, and love. Connection and love. And love. That's what friendship symbolises. Brilliant. Right. Connection and love. Which... Who's interviewing you here? Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a joke. I've got one chance. I've got one chance to interview Artie. So which five people, past or present, would you like to share a quake with? Okay. I'm going to do this after we finish this interview. All right? I promise I'll right, answer yeah. that question for you. Okay. So the next question on it was music. Which five tracks would you want drinking from a quake? So for me... Music, where I then had nightclubs, my thing was music, music, music was probably the key sense. Obviously, smell when you walk in and lighting. But you've got to know when to play music, what type of music. So for me, I love all styles of music. From classic, I love Motown, I love rock and roll, I love the Sex Pistols, I love country and western but if i had to have one artist on my ipod forever and a day it would be marvin Gaye. what is it about marvin Gaye's music what is it about the artist that really resonates with you i think his story is amazing i think the relationship he had with his father the father shooting him the father being a vicar when you looked at marvin Gaye, he was just this incredibly handsome, stunning man on presence, London Live at the Palladium, which I was very fortunate to go as a little boy, and you just suddenly saw that presence. And all the songs that he wrote, he wrote. So he takes you on all different emotions, and that's what music's about. If you could get one person that can get you a little bit soulful, reflective, off your seat, it would be Marvin Gaye. Yeah, good choice. I, I love his music too. And like you say, I love all those genres. Like if there's any party and it's lacking a bit of atmosphere and you want to just get that beat going, it has to be the one and only Beyonce. Yes. You couldn't pull out a Marvin track and get the party going. The Beyonce track does. Madonna, and Madonna would work. I really liked her 80s stuff. Yeah. Holiday would work. Oh, I love that tune. Let's move on then to something else that's just as important, and that is cuisine. What is your favourite type of cuisine? I'm not just saying it, but Indian food. Our neighbour um, next door is from Bangalore, and she cooks so beautifully. So we feel guilty to say, do you mind cooking for us? But she's got a little cooking club going on where everyone puts in a few bob, and you say what you don't like and what your preferences are. And she's amazing. They do say that Indians know how to cook. I mean, that would be the, the general rule, except for someone like me, who really enjoys eating, but doesn't enjoy cooking. <laughs> well, you, you're, good. you're doing other things. Don't worry about it. And what would your favourite Indian dishes be? The the paratha, the chicken tikka masala, the obvious ones, the vegetable. And then the other thing which I... The boys love, which is part of our tradition, is our Sunday roast. So there's an incredible farmer's market in Marlebone, and Sophie just takes pride in doing, I think, the best roast. Oh, lovely. 
you're a serial entrepreneur, you've got a wide portfolio, a really busy schedule. So do you get the chance to sit down as a family with Sophie and your two boys to have a weekly meal? We try to have breakfast with them every morning and supper. And then obviously sometimes they just want to, to do their own thing. But we're very insistent on a Friday night dinner together and Sunday. I think that's important because I think it's important that they feel that there's parenting. I want them to open up to tell us any trials or tribulations they may be having. And often they don't necessarily want to open up, but the subconscious thing of knowing that there are two people that care can say more than words. But we always try to say what's the best thing that happened today, what was the worst thing that happened, and you know, try to 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 guide them in that way. And and you said that Sophie does the the roast on the Sunday. Do you cook? Do you enjoy cooking? I'm not allowed in that. I create so much mess. But I do love trying to do my own tomato soup and my own tomato salad. But honestly, I don't know how it looks like a bomb's hit it. So Sophie prefers me to steer clear of it. It's exactly the same in my household. My husband, when he cooks, and he's a great cook, but all of a sudden it looks like something's exploded. And, uh, you know, I always end up then having to pick up the pieces. So I can see exactly where Sophie's coming from on this point. Let's move on then to my fourth section, and that is uh, literature. So what are you reading or currently listening to on an audiobook at the moment? I'm afraid to say I'm not a good reader. I remember doing the David Niven thing, Moons of Balloon, when I was little, but I did English A-level but I didn't fare terribly well. I struggled. I'm, I'm dyslexic. Um, and I find it difficult just to sit and, and be patient. I'm going, trying to read at the moment, a, a book on Thatcher, who I thought was extraordinary. Um, and so anything like that, if I do try to pick up a book, it would be about people's lives because I find those things inspiring. You enjoy biographies. You've mentioned Thatcher. Are you particular in terms of the types of biographies? She's obviously a political leader, or is it anybody that's got a fantastic story to tell? The latter, actually. You know, I think that, you know, I want to read something about Jay-Z. I'm interested in someone's journey. I'm fascinated by sitting at somebody and listening to their story. I do that. I tend to do that more in social occasions, but I really want to know about someone how they got there and what did their parents do and how did they do this and you know how did they overcome fear were they bullied in the playground how what happened then that for me is a story there are so many people i'm seeing in the world who've got amazing careers and for me that's i'm living in in a story so, and I, uh, you fall right there in that bracket um so are we ever likely to see an autobiography of pierce adam i don't know about that Oh, come on. You would have so many stories and lessons and insight and wisdom. And, you know, I'd be first in the queue. Oh, thank you. No, I think, you know, we were with some friends on holiday and um, there was this chat and I I won't give his name, but his father was, um, let's see, I think it was senior consul for for Britain in India um, during Victorian times. And he wrote an autobiography, but he didn't pass it down until it came to his great-grandson. And he got a, the great-grandson got a call from the lawyers to say, you're 21, you've got this book. And the first paragraph was, this is to my great-grandson. And he revealed himself. He revealed all the vulnerabilities. He said it would be wrong for my, my son's generation and my grandchildren's generation because they'll probably know me, but you will never know me. 
So I'm going to tell you about how scared I am here, how scared that you know, my wife's having an affair. And what do I do? Because I'm madly in love with her. And he just said, as opposed to this grand old chap that's a beautiful portrait of him in, in the family seat, this man came to life. So there'd be certain things that in my life which would be too personal, which I wouldn't really want anyone to know. But I'm really keen on doing stuff with Quake and trying to inspire kids. You know, it's it, for, for me, if you can teach them, and I suppose that goes back to, to my mother. She said she got more satisfaction from taking a girl that really hated art to suddenly getting a C at art O level and then suddenly going on to an art college. So if I had that, and certain stories might be personal, but I don't want to start writing a book or anything like that. I just... I, 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 love, I love the idea of doing the Quake-inspiring stories, so you're going to be first on my list, Artie, to do that. I can tell my story through friends. Nice. Let's move on then to our final section, and that is art. And you say that everything in my life is about creativity, so elaborate. For me, creativity is art, painting, drawing, sculpture, film, music, and entrepreneurship you know that is another form of art so my medium is I, I have ideas where I think I can see something and I want to bring that to reality so that's my form of art your mother studied at the Royal Academy she was an art teacher what was her taste in art like did she influence you she was the worst teacher <laughs> she put me off art. she was brilliant for all the other teachers but to be dragged around around the V&A or Royal Academy and going, oh my God, and there's the South Bank show on and we've got to watch this piece. So <laughs> I think parents have got to be slightly careful. Having said that, the power of the message is in the messenger. And I think teaching is so important. The boys have been doing Zoom teaching RT over the last year. And I feel sorry for them because they're not hanging out with their mates. They're not learning about social interaction in the playground and playing football and cutting their knees and, and that sort of stuff, which is really an intangible but really important aspect of schooling. But I've gone in and listened to some of the Zoom teachers. I'd be bored, and I'm not being disrespectful. It's boring. And yet, the kids, it's the most important thing to educate and inspire your children. So bizarrely, I hadn't seen my cousin for 30 odd years. Anyway, 30, 35 years. And she set up something called the Art Channel. And it's cool. Suddenly, my age is... And she's realising that there are lots of kids who are in council flats and, you know, they don't get the opportunity to go to, to art museums and exhibitions, but to escape and liberate and find out what that person's thinking whilst they're drawing it and what was their mental mind. There's amazing stories. So she set up something called the Art Channel and she's doing trying to get sponsorship now. But it takes them through... Um, Jay Joplin stuff to um, Tracy Emin, and she gets backstage, and she and also to the Grandmasters. So she that's that's a really inspiring way. So I'm going to start learning about art, watching her art channel. And so am I. 
and I'm going to be spreading the word loud and loud. I'll, I'll, I'll put you in there. All right, but but I I just think you're so right because because the thing about art is there is an energy in art, there is a form of expression in art, and it's very very of course subjective. So you know there is no wrong or right about it. If you can get somebody to engage in that way in something, then you know you can change someone's whole life and you can change their path in life. It's such a powerful thing. Do you know, it, it's so true. And I really don't, I don't like the fact that I don't know about art. I don't like the fact I don't really read enough. That's a major criticism of myself. I really, really feel very angry. When there is a barrier of education and it's intimidating, that means there is a business opportunity because people really do want to learn about art. It's the same with whiskey. We set up a concierge thing which goes live next week, Quake Concierge, which we've got access to some of the rarest cards directly to the distilleries. Now, people want to buy whiskey, but where do they go? Berry Brothers, they say, again, it's that snooty thing. You can't phone up the distilleries because they don't have that service. So we've got a concierge service. So if you thought, I'm the godmother, I've got to get a cask on the year of the birth, and the cask just stays up there in a distillery in Scotland until it's bottled. And then I'm linking it to the art. So my cousin will choose the up and coming artist from the Royal Academy. So Artie, if it was your daughter's or your son's 21st, you'd work with her and say, I want it all personalized, the bottle, 300 bottles on the tables, because there's 300 bottles in the cask. And you would choose the artist. And actually talking of whiskey, you founded Copper Dog. Diageo, the world's largest spirits and beers company has said, we own massive brands, we buy brands, but you create brands. What is your secret? I think the secret, I'm blessed. I've got a really lovely, loving family that inspire me, and that helps. I'm possibly too optimistic, so I'm always dreaming. One of the things is you've got to find people that will help finish off a project or to challenge you to say, no, that's not going to work. And I think the thing that I've learned in my life is about the giving hand receives and if, if as an entrepreneur, your drive is just to make money, you'll be like Icarus, you'll fall. You have to ensure to be humble and modest. And that's lessons that all entrepreneurs who've got a drive because they, I want to be accepted, I want to be accepted, I want to, I need, I need, I need the money, I, need, I want to show that I am, I am the ego. But it's not, it's not. Just create something amazing with a good base of consciousness and see what happens. And I just say that you ooze that in abundance. So cheers. Thank you for joining me on Five Star Insights. It's been so rewarding to spend the time with you. Thank you very much indeed. And as as I said, I'm I'm honored to uh, be asked by you to do it. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this interview, then please press the like button because it really helps our channel. And if you want to see future episodes and other great content from Rich Woman magazine, then please subscribe. And oh yes, don't forget to press the bell so you'll be the first to know. Until next time, thank you and take care of you. Bye-bye. Five Star Insights with Artie Halai.